Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Support WrestleTalk! Give us a subscribe. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. This is Rich Swan. Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever WrestleTalk is and whoever Luke Owen is, quote the Raven. Nevermore. WrestleTalk. Hello and welcome to the WrestleTalk podcast. I am Luke Owen and I'm joined by El Fakador Laurie Blake. Hello, mate. What's an AEW? What's one of those? What happens on that? I know, right? Like, I, I, we're recording this after the podcast, which is a bit unusual for the way that we tend to do things. But yeah, it was pointed out that we are the original OG NXT review team. So this mm. is a very different uh, flavor for you this week. Been a long time since we've done a podcast together, mate. Uh, very long time. One in, I'm not sure we've done one in all of 2020. No, I don't think so. Actually, no. We've Were done like not? the Tinny World stuff, and we've done um, uh, the Rust Talk podcast show on the Fight Network. But yeah, we haven't done like a proper mm. podcast like this. Yeah, I know. A proper one where we get to chat crap in these bits. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's dive into the main show first off, because we're talking about the Dark Order and then possibly breaking up. Here is the show. Uh, and because it is Christmas Eve... I'm going to have a beer, mate. Already started having a beer, mate. All I've been doing oh. today is eating cheeselets and having beers. Mm. Here we go. Christmas time. Tis the season. Rot your guts. Tis the season to be jolly and joyous. Fa-la-la. Mm-mm. Cool. Right. So we're going to kick things off uh, by talking about uh, the Dark Order, who have, um, I mean, they've not had a good old go of it as of late of the Dark Order, um, as is pointed out uh, we've on many of the streams that we've done now, that they've lost a lot. Um, pretty much since Brody Lee uh, went uh, got injured, they've, they've been losing consistently on, on Dynamite. Uh, I went through Cage Match to kind of look at how Uno and Grayson have been doing. And they've been winning a lot of matches on Dark. Basically, if they're on Dark, they're winning. But if they're on Dynamite, they are very much losing. So kind of going like 
through the dynamite sort of things like evil uno and Stu grayson probably last pick up a win in like september like it was a you know maybe even earlier than that maybe in august like it's a long long time ago that they sort of picked up a win on dynamite and on this very show here we had um 510 and colt cabana lose to jurassic express and we had uno get pinned by dustin rose and dustin rose has already pinned 10 as well on a previous episode of dynamite so they are losing a lot but what I thought was interesting after the Uno match is that Grayson got, uh, gets in the ring and starts like attacking Dustin Rhodes and he's attacking Lee Johnson and Uno's like trying to stop him. So like Uno's trying to like, because Uno's the one who wants to recruit uh, Dustin into the fold. So he's almost like trying to, so like all of a sudden the original members of the Dark Order in Stu Grayson and Evil Uno are like, they're infighting. And it, you, we haven't seen that from them as an act before, like this real dissension between them. It, was, it felt very, very jarring. And I just feel like with coupled with all the losses that they've been sort of racking up on Dynamite and on pay-per-view, that maybe we could be seeing the Dark Order break up. Or is it a case of we're just seeing them go on this mass, massive losing run until Brody comes back and he sort of sorts everyone out? Oh, it smells and smacks of holding pattern to me, my friend. Uh, like, you know, I feel like Brody Lee obviously came into AEW with much like much applause and much aplomb and this big push behind him. But they had to sort of hotshot him straight into a, a title opportunity through you know, forces outside of the actual story they wanted to tell, did that, moved on. And then the Dark Order just sort of like went into the holding pattern immediately. Like they, they swear, they, their, their ranks have obviously swollen over the course of this year. But to yeah. what end? Like it just means they've got more people to sort of job out on Dynamite to, to other teams to make them look good. And that's, you know, that's fine. But there is, there is something about, uh, when you name people five and ten and you make them faceless goons, they tend to get treated like the putty army out of Power Rangers, yeah. you know? Like, it's yeah. it, they're the Foot Clan. Like, you know, that's that's what they're for, to be beaten. And I think, yeah, they're just going to probably go through the, the motions of this kind of, like, I think it's a story in the sense that they'll eke it out over the course of television and it will happen, but I don't think it will be consequential. I don't think the Dark Order is going to break up. I think Brody Lee is going to return and put them back on the winning track. And this is just a convenient way to keep featuring them on TV and have something going on with them that isn't just a losing streak because they're going to just keep losing because they're not going to be the feature of the main storyline until they have the leader there to be the spokesperson and make something of this. Because also, surely for the Dark Order, when they didn't have a Brody Lee, and it was just Uno running the show and, and doing all the talking for them, it didn't click with anyone. So I imagine AEW is probably slightly afraid of doing too much with the Dark Order without Lee at the top of the table. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to think that this is some sort of bigger plan, you know, for the, the return of Brody Lee in that because we've got um, uh, Silver and Reynolds are trying to like recruit Hangman Page, which is going as the way that it is you know it seems to be more successful than the dustin uh, recruitment is going you know hangman's actually sort of enjoying himself hanging out with reynolds and silver whereas uno's recruitment of dustin has been really really bad because dustin keeps beating them and mm. like, just keeps on beating them and like i don't know what the sort of final end product is with dustin because I, I would say that it was my least favorite thing on the show was the dustin uno match because it's just cool so like dustin's been another member of the the dark order i'm not entirely sure like he said no and then just keep mm. winning. But then they brawl after the match, so the feud must continue. And yeah, it was He's going to earn the grudging respect of Dustin. Is it? <laughs> That's it. He's not going to recruit him, but he is going to get that handshake. He wants the handshake. 
Yeah, well, maybe. Like, I, I just found it interesting, particularly because Uno is playing Peacemaker at the moment. And he is, you know, he's always trying to, like, not have the Dark Order attack people. Like, even when mm -hmm. Brody was flipping out against uh, Colt Cabana, he was, like, trying to play peace uh, keep between Lee and, and Cabana and trying to, you know, take Cabana's side on this and the other for the arm around him. So I do think that there are some interesting things happening within the Dark Order. And I do think that this is leading towards our Brody Lee return. But at the same time, you and I were kind of talking about this before we went off, uh, you know, came, came uh, on air. But, but ever since the Winter is Coming episode, AEW has felt like it's been in a holding pattern because mm. the December is never a high viewing season. Like it's never going to, I mean, I mean, they did really well coming off the back of the Winter is Coming special because they had, you know, Sting and the Kenny Omega thing. But also we're now in like the next couple of weeks where people aren't watching TV because... <clears throat> they're at home with their families or it's it's bloody christmas and you know what? i don't want to do around christmas watch wrestling so like it, it's I, I just feel like that they're, they're not gun shy but they don't want to pull too many triggers on too many things at the moment so episodes like this which are very solid but also there's not a whole lot going on either yeah it's just it's just one of those cases of like it's good wrestling but considering the storylines they had going into this season it should be better wrestling i think is my my feelings about watching this episode of AEW, like, you know, I'm not a regular, I don't religiously watch all of AEW every week, but I do keep in touch with the storylines and I do watch the matches that intrigue me. But like knowing full well that Kenny's the champion and knowing that Sting has returned. And I just feel like we've had him talk a few times, Sting, and he's not really said very much. And he keeps sort of being thrown into that mix of like AEW's going through this process at the moment where every single segment ends with someone else interrupting to say, I'm coming for that, actually. You thought this was going one way? It's me now. It's Taz and friends. And it was like, well, what about Darby Allen? That's what we want to see. Or do we want to see him against Cody? Like, please tell me where we're going with this. And then the Kenny Omega thing, while obviously part of a wider deal to work with, impact, etc., feels a bit like, you know, I mean, what could be more Christmassy than it being an advert for something that you have to watch elsewhere? But like, yeah, I think that's that's kind of my feelings about it, is that it's that sense of like, we should be in a really, really exciting time for AEW. And I don't think they've quite nailed the kind of intrigue of these storylines in the last couple of weeks since they happened. Like, you know, I, I, we should be somewhere else with this Kenny Omega. Like, we should be transcending stuff with Kenny Omega being really involved with Impact. And actually, really, what we've had is a bunch of sit-down interviews in various hotels and camper vans. <sighs> Yeah, and, and like, you know, on this, he wasn't on this show. He just had a, a backstage interview with Callis and, and Alex Marvez. And, you know, Moxley's not been on the show since he lost the mm -hmm. title. Cody wasn't on this show. Um, yeah, yeah, Jericho. Sting had an interview. I, I would say this is probably the most involved interview Sting has had since he, you know, since he debuted for the company. But it is, yeah, I, I would almost feel like this was a, a, a skipless episode. Not that it was bad, because I thought, you know, they made Top Flight look really good. They made the acclaimed look really great mm -hmm. as well. Like, and that, that was kind of like a snapshot into here is what your tag division, your top tag teams are probably going to look like in the next five years. Like you are looking at two of the, uh, your cream of the crop tag teams in the next decade or so, because they were great. They looked really good in their match. The Bucks made them look like a million bucks, as did uh, Jericho and mm -hmm. MJF. So I think that, you know, there was a lot of positive about this show, but it was at the same time, an episode of wrestling. Yeah. And I get, you know, and I think this is the thing as well with this, the part of the problem that AEW's had in this early going is obviously like, and what I, what obviously is a very noble thing for them to do is focus on this younger talent and try to build stars up. And like, 
look how long it took them to pull the trigger on someone like Darby Allen. Obviously, that paid off dividends because I think he is a bona fide star. By by the time he won the TNT Championship, he was like you felt he deserved that spot on the roster. But to immediately go back to star building after you've just kind of done this shuffle where I think for a lot of people who started watching AEW when it started, they wanted the Bucks to be the tag team champions. They wanted Kenny Omega to be the world champion. And to immediately sort of transition into like, we're going to build these new stars up, which is a good way of obviously uh, giving your champions great wins under their belt. Like it, it just feels like a way of closing out the year that, it kind of it feels like a wind down rather than a ramp up, and I you know I really want it to be ramping up now because you want to be like what's the next really exciting feud for the Bucks and what's the next really exciting thing for Kenny Omega and like yeah Phoenix is going to be a great match which next week isn't it that's next week Phoenix. yeah that's gonna, it's, it's, that's gonna be gonna be fantastic but it it doesn't feel like the top tier like Kenny Omega match that you really want going on like it's got a really great story going into it like you kind of like I mean Pac or Penta would be for me a bigger money thing and obviously I think we're building up to that at some point but those those two for me of that of Death Triangle in general I'd pick a different angle Mm, that's an interesting one I mean I'm gonna disagree with you on that one because I I think Phoenix is so so great and it's the one match that we haven't seen because we saw Mm -hmm. Kenny and Penta in the the tag tournament oh sorry in the uh the number one contenders tournament and we saw Kenny and Pac earlier this year so I think like Phoenix almost feels like the fresh match so and I I, I like to say I think it's gonna be wicked like I just said then that and you know what I'm not doing over the Christmas period is watching wrestling I may watch that like Mm -hmm. that (laughs) that is I will go out of my way to watch that on New Year's Eve Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. 
Do you like quizzes? Do you like wrestling? Do you like watching self-professed experts in their fields being exposed as dangerous frauds? Then you'll love Quizzlemania, brought to you by Parts Fun Known, the team behind acclaimed wrestling RPG No Rolls Barred. Join us every week as four wrestling pundits pit their knowledge against each other in a cerebral wrangle for prizes, glory, and a bit of good old-fashioned escapism. Enjoy the videos live every Wednesday on Parts Fun Known's YouTube channel, or subscribe right now to have them beam straight your mobile device. Quizzlemania, it's the showcase of the Immorons. Uh, let's see what you've got to say up in the ultra chats. Get your ultra chats in. It's uh, wrestletalk.com forward slash support. Get your ultra chats in. We will read out all of them. Bacon Rasher says, Hi, lads. As I mentioned last week, more and more losses for the Dark Order. Another two in just one show. Brody was sorted when he's back, right? Uno getting too big for his boots, do you think? But more great Wednesday from NXT and AEW as always. Got to say from NXT, that um the, the brawl, uh, the, the street fight between um Only Lorcan and Danny Birch versus Dane and um, Drake Maverick. That's a heck of a lot of fun, man. I really <laughs> that. They're finally Drake coming into them. their own. They're getting on oh, the same page, Luke. They're getting on the same I, page. I, they I can coexist. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, I, I kind of like what we talked about at the start of this. I agree that I think this is all about Brody coming back and, and setting the Dark Order back because like, since he's been gone, they have gone back into becoming a comedy act again, mm -hmm. particularly with like Reynolds and Silver. And, you know, I don't think, you know, and Grayson feel like they're a serious act anymore either. So I do think that Brody is going to come back in clack some heads together and be like like let's stop messing around now i eh? like it's, it's time mm. to get serious again yeah and i think like i i wonder if the sort of dissension between grayson and uno is more like a good cop bad cop kind of thing it's that sort of like we'll beat you down but we'll also be like friendly to you once we've beaten you down to sort of win you over it's all a tactic luke it's perfect <laughs> Uh, Megatrain84 says, why do Team Taz keep backing off when they have the 5-on-2 advantage? Feels like it makes them look like a bunch of cowards when they get scared off by a 60-plus-year-old man with a baseball bat. I thought Taz was supposed to be good with weapons. No, Taz is the weapon. And Taz doesn't mm. do weapons. He's not a hardcore guy. He hates hardcore. He's just, just the WWF Taz. He is, like, he is the walking weapon. I think with Team Taz, though, it's like now's not the time for that fight. Like, they're, you know, they're prize fighters. They're not just going to go out there and brawl with someone. Like, if they're going to have a match, they're going to beat them legit fair and square. That's what Team Taz is all about. Mm. Yeah, I, I I kind of agree, though. I feel like, like, how's Taz stopping Brian Cage? <laughs> Brian Cage goes, oh, let's get in the ring and do it now. It's like, I, I'd be like, I'm, I'm getting out of that guy's way. <laughs> <laughs> he is big, though, isn't he? <laughs> Absolutely um, no. Alex Varsic says, uh, I don't know what everyone sees in Team Taz. All I see is three thumbs and two pinkies. I uh, I really like Team Taz. I think they've got a really cool aesthetic. I just think they look rad. Yeah, I think they like. I, I I feel like Taz is obviously like the best ringleader for that group. He's just he's so good on the mic, and he can mm -hmm. he can make anything. And like they've given him, like you said, that it's that prize fighting feel. And I think that's really what they've gone for. Though they've gone for guys who just look like dangerous, and they've got that kind of. MMA feel to them, I guess, in the sense yeah, of like totally. it doesn't it doesn't feel like a wrestling faction. It feels like a sort of series of brawlers and like a you know kind of almost like a, a sports brand to a degree. Yeah, 
and that's kind of why I don't think they would go out and just start brawling with people because it's like, yeah, they're, they're as you said, like an MMA act more than anything else. They're not mm-hmm. a wrestling faction. Um, and finally now from Matthew Robinson, it says, Kenny saying, Phoenix, you will get, uh, Phoenix, you get hurt. I get titles. Simply brilliant message. I love Kenny's promo that he had on this show. I thought it was really, really great. Um, yeah, I just love that, you know, him. I will, we'll talk about when we get to it, but like pointing out, hey, look, you, you, I beat you for the tag titles. I beat you for the Triple A championship. <clears throat> like, and that was when I was I was happy. Now I'm pissed off. Like, mm. now I'm worried I'm going to end your career. I thought it was really, really cool. Yeah, he's, he's fantastic on the mic, and that was just a perfectly sort of pitched promo. Right, well, let's talk about the main show. I don't think it's going to take us too long to get through, uh, good as it was. Uh, opened up with Inner Circle of Jericho and MGF taking on Top Flight. Man, I mean, this was a smart opener as well because this match was uh, preceded by the NBA touchdowns um, to because they've started a new um, Quidditch Cup for um, the, the basketball trophy. So um, mm. th- that, that, uh, that came on beforehand. So I thought it was smart to have Jericho come out first because if you have got, because as far as I'm aware, like literally the match ends and they, they, they came into, into this. So if you've kind of got like eyes who are just sticking around and see Jericho coming out and you may be like, oh, I used to watch wrestling 20 years ago. I remember that guy. Maybe I'll stick around and watch this for a little bit as well. Because I, I, I wow, that's he looks so much more like a dad than before. I, I know, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I, thought this was, I, I thought this was good. I thought this was really fun. Like, uh, I, I thought Jericho struggled to keep up with the younger guys on, but on his team him. and on the other team at multiple yeah. points throughout this match. So it did, it did at points just clunk because it was definitely a athletic-led match rather than the personality-led match. Um, but I thought Top Flight looked great. They they had a really cool little run, and yeah, I thought Hager's interference was like the perfect moment, and then that kind of that interesting bit of sort of turning it back on itself and being like, he, he's not annoyed that like he keeps having to intervene. He's annoyed because he keeps having to intervene and someone else isn't intervening and doing their bit. And then he challenges Wardlow to the match for next week. Next week mm-hmm. is next week. Yeah. Um, which I think is you know the match that everyone wants to kind of see of the, of the internal combustion of inner circle now. There's, there's the two starey horses. Like they're going to yes, exactly. I, I mean, I don't a think personality void of a match, but <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it's going to be like a work rate match, but I think it's going to be certainly quite the spectacle. And I cannot wait to see Wardlow like F10 that man out of his boots. Two mountains just clacking together. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, I, but yeah, I really enjoyed this because, uh, I, I as you say, top flight of class, man. They're really, mm. really good. Like, uh, I think it's Darius, who's the younger of the two, 19 years old. Like, they say it on commentary when they're on TV every single week. And every time they say it, I still don't believe it because, man, like, the kid's so quick. And like his like his older brother, like older brother, you know, it's like twenty or twenty-one. You know, he's still like <laughs> a, a young pup himself. So much, uh, there's a lot of stock in these guys, and AW clearly are really like high on them at the moment because they've been on TV like three of the last four weeks or something like that. They've lost every match, but they've always been made to look awesome in those matches. Yeah, I think giving them giving them the time of day is obviously like a really good thing. It's just. Um... I think like we were saying earlier, like it's ramping up, isn't it? It's where do you deploy them? And maybe it's giving them some wins. I, I I feel like sometimes, yeah, it's great to put them in the same ring as Chris Jericho and stuff, but there's only so many losses you can take before people do just start to see you as jobbers. And that that maybe might that might be the fault of the fans, really, and sort of the 
um, the training that we've had from watching WWE for many, many years of just like, well, if they lose enough, they're just going to be jobbers and they're not going to get anywhere. But hopefully AEW starts to pay off on this stuff because this was this was fun. It just didn't feel consequential, but it was it was a good way of making them look good. Uh, the acclaimed did a rap song promo uh, about the Young Bucks and their title match. I like the, what I really like about AEW. One of the things I really like about AEW is how everyone's promo segments feel so different from each other. You know, you sort of compare this to what Darby Allen does, to what Kenny Omega does, uh, to what Team Taz do, in fact. And, uh, you know, these guys are really separating themselves out from everyone else because they're doing raps. And it's cool, man. Like, they're, they're really awesome raps as well. Like it's, it feels like watching Eight Mile. <laughs> yeah and this uh, you know this is a thing we used to say about nxt like before AEW began in that in that year where we were reviewing that and we nxt does this brilliant thing of having everyone have their own form of promo so everyone speaks in their own way and it's just a it's just a really good way of differentiating all your roster and giving them a feel it's not oh look braun Strowman stood by a great big telly backstage saying a bunch of stuff it, it's like this is someone's personality encapsulated in a video package which is you know the magic of making video i guess is that you can you can theme it <laughs> and you can make it look like you know you can tell a story without necessarily hammering it home with michael cole shouting it's boss time absolutely yeah uh speaking of promo sting came out for his with tony Schiavone. um talked about like you know uh, speaking with dusty Rhodes, and dusty Rhodes kind of putting the face paint onto the stinger and then putting him in the feud with rick flair did a fantastic dusty impression as well it actually very good it was a very good dusty impression and it was quite sweet and, and really we're gonna great. get funky like a monkey if you will <laughs> if you will and he's about to turn his attention to darby who's up in the in the rafters but team taz come out and they are we're team taz blah 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 they're about to go down to the ring and then uh darby like the lights go out darby slides into the ring into to back up sting and it was a really cool visual of sting and darby sort of standing in the ring opposite again we've seen that a couple of times now on the show but every time they do it i really really dig it man there's just something about it i don't know if it's just because they've both got face paint on mm. but like it is i i really dig like the, the sort of the, the this this dynamic chemistry between sting and darby allen yeah, I can't wait for the uh, Who Do You Think You Are episode with Darby Allen, where he discovers that he is Sting's son. But, um, like, I I like it. I, I really do like it. And, like, you know, Sting is, Sting is one of my favourite wrestlers of all time. I used to be a massive WCW mark back when Sting was there. And, like, for me, I want more from this. Like, mm -hmm. I, I just want... I don't know. I'm like, I'm not, I don't feel as driven by the nostalgia of just seeing Sting back in a wrestling ring. Like I've seen the return and now I want to see the advancement of that story. And like, it's cool to get him to come out and speak a couple of times and address certain situations. But what I really wanted to see, even when, it, when even when he came down to the ring the first time is like, wave the baseball bat around a bit more, man. <laughs> like take a swing at someone, like something that makes it feel like that kind of vigilante character that WCW was pushing is with Sting is properly back. Instead, it feels a little bit like a retirement run to me at the moment because we're not really seeing that advancement of the story and it feels it feels very much like nostalgia baiting in that sense of just like here's sting and we'll wheel him out and everyone will clap and it'll be great and like yeah lovely i really like sting but i do want to see him do something and i'm not saying that has to be wrestling i'm not saying that has to be even taking a bump i'm just saying there needs to be some the bricks of the story need to start being built here 
Yeah, that, I mean that's what me and I have been saying on this show as well. Like I, I, I think with Sting, you know, he he clearly has he's been a needle mover for them. He has popped a rating for them, mm. and that's really cool. But also, you do have to you can't just rely on that. You can't just wheel him out to get that because it's it's law of diminishing returns. The more you bring Sting out, the less special he's going to feel. And I particularly have him going out there and just chatting. Like the best thing mm. about Sting is like he's a great promo and everything, but like. The best thing about Sting is that he doesn't talk, you know, like he is just this sort of silent vigilante, as you say. And like, that's that's also really cool. And I do feel like that we are, you know, putting the wheels in motion here for the six man tag of Team Taz, probably Starks, Cage and Will Hobbs, mm-hmm. or Powerhouse Hobbs versus Cody, Darby and Sting. But like, and I think they're going to announce that in the new year, and that will be at Beach Break or something like that. Um, so yeah, I'm, 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 that'll be, I'll be really excited about that. But at the same time, I do think like you can't just keep bringing Sting out because otherwise, like you're saying, Sting's going to be here next week isn't going to feel as big as it did when you did it for the first time round. Well, it's because you pitched the sort of whole him turning up as a mystery, and immediately you got rid of the mystery because he's spoken so much now that you know exactly yeah. why he's there. He's there because he wanted to be where Cody is because Cody is related to Dusty and Dusty's very important to Sting. And then he likes Darby because of face paint, see me, or whatever whatever the reason is that he he's sort of interested in Derby. Like, you just need something more. Like, Sting is the kind of person that you could bring in as like, I came here to change the way that this is this whole company is running. Like, that's the kind of character you're working with. And what you're really doing is being like, I was at home watching the telly and I saw Cody Rhodes and I thought I'd come down. Like, you know, that's what that's what I'm getting from this. And it could be like I literally you're meant to be the future of wrestling and you're not being the future of wrestling. So here I am to, to make sure that you're going to sort of stick to that promise. Um, and I, yeah, I'm hopeful yeah. that when we get out of the kind of Christmas period, because obviously you want to wind down for Christmas, you want to do a bit more talking so you don't have a bad back on Christmas Day, I imagine. Um, hopefully we're going to get much more from Sting. Uh, this was an interesting segment because MJF goes into the locker room area where Santana and Ortiz are like playing cards and stuff. And Santana hasn't been on TV as of late because he's had a, a personal family loss. Um, and MJF sincerely, you know, talks to him about this and be like, look, I know you've you've, you've lost someone. I lost my granddad to cancer. Uh, if you ever need someone to talk to, I'm here for you. And they mm-hmm. shake hands and he even shakes hands with Ortiz, who has been a, like, you know, he's he's certainly been more on side with uh, MJF than Sammy has been. But this really was like MJF endearing himself to members of the inner circle to show that he does belong in this group. It was actually, it was quite lovely, really. It's quite moving, I thought. I thought like, you know, like, you know, MJF looked pretty carp after going in and saying that stuff. Like, it definitely came from somewhere, um, even if it was acting in, you know, whatever sense. Like, yeah, I I thought this was a real, this is probably one of the most intriguing bits of the show for me. I was like, this is, you know, an actual bit of real life encroaching on what is one of the sillier factions in AEW for sure uh, you know um so yeah i think it's really cool uh dark order took on jurassic express um it was a, a you know a mix of things because you had uh, the comedy with marco stunt you had the flipty doos of jungle boy and you had the big stiff kicks of luchasaurus um jurassic express picked up the win it was it was pretty good stuff i quite enjoyed this really it was a fun little match yeah, I bloody love Luchasaurus, man. Oh, yeah. uh, when he just came in and he does that hot tag and he just nails everyone off the side, does this crazy German suplex that just drove them into the back of their neck, kips up, hook kick, sets up for the choke slam, and does a standing moonsault. I'm just like, this 
this guy. The note, like, so, so there's a bit of me that's almost like, is he being held back by being in Jurassic Express? But you know, I feel like oh, okay. when they get with the trio, if they get a trio's title, that would be really interesting. I was going to say spoilers for the 2021 predictions video that will go out at the start of January next year. But I do have the the trios championship now for AWs, and I do have Jurassic Express to be my my first winners of those titles. Oh no, I think I've got Death Triangle to win them. Either way, uh, it, I do think that like Jurassic Express is sort of born for that kind of title run. I think that would be a lot of fun as well. And like I, I really love watching Jurassic Express. We haven't seen them on TV for feels like a while, so it was really mm. nice to see them back here. And you know, picked up a decent little win over the Dark Order. So yeah, it was it was okay. It's good stuff. Uh, and then afterwards, FTR interrupt them on the screen. I love Tully Blanchard calling them Jurassic Park. <laughs> yes, <laughs> enough for us to hear from Jurassic Park. <laughs> Um, yeah, they, so it's going to be FTR versus Jurassic Express on the January 6th show, which is the second of their um, sort of double New Year's specials that they're doing. I think that's I really like, yeah, I really like Tully. Sorry, I really like Tully, Tully having a go at Marco as well, saying if you stick your little nose in, I might have flashbacks to the 80s. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, that's good. And Marco had to be like held back. Oh, yeah, it's so good. Like a um, he is like a proper little scrappy dude type character. Mm. Um, this is where we got the Kenny Omega promo with Don Callis. Um, Callis talking about how, like, you know, Tony Khan lets wrestlers run this asylum. I've never seen such a shoddy place being run here. And I'm like, dude, someone got shot in Impact a couple of months ago. Like, I don't think you should be coming into AEW talking about this. <laughs> yeah, Callis, Callis is, I mean, he's a great promo, but this is, I just want to know what's going to happen like i want more from the kenny stuff i want him to be involved in the show in a like mm. if he's going to go to a different show it needs to be more it needs to be even more exclusive it needs to be like when's he coming back as a story rather than like here he is consistently talking every week which is obviously like giving make people beg for it like make people beg for kenny omega to be coming back and then have him come back and and do this crazy run or jump right in with a really in-depth storyline with actual face-to-face conflict because it feels it just all feels a bit disjointed with these sort of interviews and it does to me it just feels promo-y it just feels like that sort of sense of now watch impact guys and triple a do you remember triple a we're going to mention triple a about 100 times here so we'll talk about triple a but when kenny does start talking about phoenix that's when you get right down to the nitty-gritty of like how good he is on the mic mm-hmm. and how good they can spin a story out of this stuff because obviously like so many people in AEW do have connections from that this year of build that they've had um and the stuff he does say about phoenix is quality (laughs) i'm worried i'm worried for your career stuff is so good yeah it was really really cool and i loved like them like in terms to callus and be like hey callus wasn't uh he in he wasn't he in impact wrestling he was like yeah but we don't really want him back in impact either so we're just gonna win it's a bit frail (laughs) it's a bit frail Yeah, I love this partnership. I love it so, so much. Um, I can't wait to see what they do with it in, in 2021, to be honest. Um, we got uh, Butcher versus Pack next. A match that, like, uh, Butcher, who I, I said in my review, proper looks like Dick Strawbridge from uh, Escape to the Chateau. Like, I just, I'm just expecting him to, like, you know, make a little, oil, like, a, a, a fire pit out of an oil drum that he's found in a skip after he's finished <laughs> up the match. He's looking good, though. He's, really, he's, he looks quality, he's looking great. Yeah, it looks quality. Like he has got such a unique look to every other big man in AEW. So like that, you know, not just down to the monocle side of things, like just the big tash that he's got, like his mm. receding hairline, but he's still keeping it long. Like the, tash the sort of steampunk walrus look, you know what it is. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, like he's a, he's a metal Dr. Robotnik. Like he just looks amazing. And 
this was a match where because you know it's it's the big guy versus the little guy the big guy takes the majority of the match and then there's a bit of um distraction between uh kingston because eddie kingston gets off of commentary and lance archer comes out really enjoyed eddie kingston on commentary like him arguing with excalibur and tony shivani is one Mm -hmm. of my weekly highlights and um then yeah like you know he's yelling at him for better urgency like more urgency butch more urgency um and then in the end uh pack hits the black arrow for the win it wasn't like much of a match but uh I, excuse me to further along the story between pack and lance but also to further on the storyline between lance and eddie and mm-hmm. death triangle and the family you know this is three different plates spinning at once i i thought they did a really nice job of it yeah i, I mean it, it had that kind of because I didn't think the match was much in that, you mm-hmm. know, in that sense, it was just this huge beatdown. It was a really cool, like, I think Pack obviously threw himself into it with the reckless abandon of Pack in that sense of like Butcher does that huge clothesline just into the barricade and Pack like knocks it a good six feet back. Um, <laughs> but like the ma- match was fine, but just Kingston just arguing with the commentary team for me was just such a highlight. But then also to continually be like, yeah, shut up, Shivani. Anyway, JR, Merry Christmas. God bless you and your family. <laughs> like JR's like, yeah, same to you, Eddie. Like there was there was a great dynamic on commentary between all of them. And I do think Kingston is great. I, I can't remember if it was Excalibur or Shivani where they were asking about like, you know, sort of how he was trying to make uh Pentagon and Phoenix split up and you know mm. how he was like sort of poisoning their minds. It's like, what have you got to say about that? And he just goes silent for a bit and just like amazing clothesline by the butcher there. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he's, he's just money he's just brilliant like i wish he was on commentary for everything i yeah i thought that the end of the match was like a, it was a bit clunky in that kind of oh here's lance archer to come and threaten eddie kingston which puts off butcher which gives pack the chance to get a kick in and then he does the black arrow and has ages to do it but it all forward like sorts out a story and then eddie sort of then eddie cutting the promo over lance as Lance is in the ring, you like I kind of wanted to hear what Lance was saying to Pack at that point, uh, and then yeah, Eddie was just talking over the top. It seemed that all felt a little bit like we were kind of rushing through stuff. Like obviously, it's a really jam-packed episode for two hours, but I wanted just a tiny bit more time spent on that so we could have had like heard Lance and then heard Eddie cut a promo. Uh, Jade Cargill cut a promo. Um, don't know how Brandy Rhodes is now pregnant, so their feud is sort of over in a way. Um, mm-hmm. I guess like Shaq and Cody are still feuding, but like the Jade Cargill Brandy match is definitely going to be put on hold for the time being. But she wants some competition that's worthy of her time. Uh, so we'll see what happens with uh, with Jade in the new year. Something else that's happening in the new year is Miro uh, announced, well, Miro Kip and uh, Penelope Ford announced that the wedding is going to happen at Beach Break on February 3rd, which uh, you know, we all know wedding re- uh, wrestling weddings go very smoothly. So I imagine mm-hmm. this one will go just as smoothly. Think of the pictures, Luke. They're going to be lovely on a beach. Oh, in yeah. Very February. Nice. <laughs> yep. Early February. I'm, I mean, assuming, I I'm assuming America, there are places that are really hot in America in February. But yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, because if they're still in Florida, I mean, I don't know if we've got any like Floridians in the chat. Is Florida mm-hmm. warm in, in February? Because like, I don't, I don't, I'm here in the UK. I ain't going to the beach in February, man. That's some cold ass time. Well, you go, you go for a wintry walk, but you don't want to be stood there for a wedding. You wouldn't want to be in a white dress. I'll tell you that. Oh, absolutely not. No. Um, one of those duvet coats. That's what you want. <laughs> but it was quite a fun little, like they had some really fun heel stuff because 
they're like throw to this video of like when they're going to announce the date and it's best friends music and they're like oh no oh my god the best friends are coming out and then they laugh because they set it up because they've actually sent trent to the hospital so mm. can't be best friends coming to get them either it was i like the fact that that was based on the fact that shivani ran off as well like, because Shivani, like, booked out of there to hear in the music. He's like, our oh, brawl's going to break out and run off. And they're like, we got him. We got him good. He's over there now. <laughs> I really liked it. it, was, I, it this, this heel act hasn't massively gotten over with fans, I don't think. Um, but, yeah, this was pretty fun. Uh, so, apparently, um, Florida is uh, is quite nice during the day in oh. February. Um, 70 to 75 during the day. That's Fahrenheit. So I don't know what that translates to in Celsius, but... Sounds warm, right? Yeah, I mean, it sounds way warmer than anything I've ever experienced in my life, Luke, because we only got to about 35 here, don't we? So Celsius, that should be. You know, Celsius, yeah. Just, yeah. just in case you're wondering, it's like minus temperatures here. It is cold, though. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I, I'm ready for these not to have a match, though, because these have been feuding since September, basically. Like, that's yeah. a long old time. I know, like, someone left a comment today being like, it's for fans of uh, the Rey Mysterio, Seth Rollins, like, never ending feud. And I was like, well, the difference there is that they at least have bloody matches. Like, they like mm -hmm. they, they were feuding for nine months and had 20,000 matches. These have been feuding for nine months and have done nothing. Like, they've not, they've not wrestled yet. Yeah. I mean, watching Miro sort of spin his wheels immediately in another company is, is, a bit disheartening i think because yeah he's he's obviously like it's it's i think it's great that they're giving him microphone on opportunity to talk and but it feels like they've overcorrected from like rusev didn't really get to talk in wwe so they've just been like have the microphone go nuts say as much as you want wear as much gucci as you can please <laughs> but he's just he's now just not doing any wrestling and it's it's just a bit of a shame that we can't we're not meeting the kind of perfect version of this character yet well it's interesting then because then we had the Eve Luno and Dustin Rhodes thing. And then we got why was it was a, a fantastic interview mm. uh, where Tony Schiavone sits down with Sean Spears. And I really loved this because he talks about how, like, yeah, it's three different letters, but it's the same glass ceilings. You know, Sean Spears, Ty, the former Ty Dillinger in WWE, is a guy who had a lot of upside in NXT. He was in NXT for like, for, he was in NXT for longer than it was actually known as NXT because he was also in FCW. Like, he has been. He was a developmental guy in WWE for about, I don't know, 15 years. Like, he felt like he was there forever. And then all of a sudden, this 10 gimmick got over. And, like, everyone was like, man, this is going to get over huge on the main roster as well. And it sort of should have done. But WWE were like, now nah, you're small. This is your lot in life. You are a, you're, you're at this level. Hmm. So then he leaves and he goes to AEW. We're not going to have those same glass ceilings here. And all he's met with basically is the same glass ceilings. This is someone who is airing his dirty laundry in a storyline fashion. And I really, really like this. You know, it's, it seemed like he was, he split away from the, the Tully Blanchard's um, partnership. Like he sort of, you know, and he threw away the loaded glove and he was just like, you know, he'll come back if I feel like it. We've seen a lot of, a lot of gimmick changes for Sean Spears in you know the 18 months or whatever it is since he's been in AEW. I'm hoping that this is one that is going to stick. Like it's going to be you know something about it that this is going to work because I really do like Sean Spears. I think he's got a very cool look. He's a really really good wrestler. Um, but I, I would like to see something out of this because I I, I loved this promo. I thought it was really really interesting. Yeah, and I think he you know like they made a big deal out of him turning up there, and I think this is you know 
this is probably a time for that kind of commentary because like we've been discussing just now with mm-hmm. Miro, like Miro came in and talked about the brass ring and the glass ceiling is like the first thing that he did in AEW, right? So Sean Spears kind of back referencing that on a, on an episode that Miro's kind of getting ring time for a bit like we're building up to something big with Miro now. Um, it, it kind of feels like we're coming full circle and like Sting turning up and not quite having done anything yet. We, we, AEW is definitely dragging in guys and using their kind of name brand or uh, at least people's knowledge of them beforehand. And they're not necessarily paying off on it. And they've done that kind of consistently. See? And that's obviously part of being a much part of a much larger roster. But Sean being annoyed at that lot in life is a great story to tell in AEW because AEW has that brilliant um, thing that WWE only has in WWE's it's manifest in one man, right? The kind of corporate connection of the roster to management. And that's Triple H, really. Like obviously Vince turns up and Shane, like Vince and Shane, you can't stop them, right? They do, they will wrestle. <laughs> they will wrestle if you give them a chance, especially Shane. You want me to jack off chop myself off something? I'll do it. Triple H really is the kind of manifest of a wrestler who is management. AEW has that in spades. AEW has so many guys who are, are uh, like also backstage talent and also in control of things. And then you've got people saying that Tony's just booking any old match and stuff. And like Sean Spears being someone inside the company who can comment on the culture of the company and the way it's booked and get himself over as probably a Hill character because of that is going to be really interesting. So I do hope they do something with him because I do think he's fantastic and he hasn't really been given the chance to shine in AEW like a lot of other people have. Yeah, I mean, like we've had a couple of comments like this. You know, Spears walks walks into Impact. You know, they've got the partnership with Impact. That that is something that really does make sense. You know, he can go over there and essentially just be the anti AEW guy, which I think would be a really interesting character. Mm. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't even consider that. That's a, that's a. I yeah. think that's a really fantastic idea for him to do. Like, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna run this partnership for a while, you can set up a real rivalry between the two brands, and mm-hmm. Spears can be the voice of that from being the only person who was like embedded in AEW and their culture and being like impacts not even like that. That's great. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hikaru Shida took on Alex Gracia. Um, this was like a more vicious side of, of Hikaru Shida because she is, you know, she, she's brawling with, with, uh, Abaddon who attacked her like before the match and stuff like when she was doing this interview. So she came out like full of piss and vinegar and, even though like Abaddon shows up again at ringside and she brawls with her, she still absolutely kills this poor Alex Gracia, like with the running knees and stuff and the Falcon arrow, just proper like wallops her in mm. the face with the knee. It was, it was, it, it made Sheeta look awesome actually. Yeah. Like she, she was booked crazy strong in this match. Cause yeah, she just did this delayed vertical suplex rolled outside. Abaddon was on the barricade. She dealt with her almost got counted out. Cause she was dealing with that rolls back in, just does the sort of, uh, counters the head scissors into a backbreak and then does the falcon arrow and wins and then just goes okay back to my business then and off she pops like yeah it's it's really good booking of her because it's much better to do that and and let that be the story than sort of give gracia even more time in exactly. this match because of abaddon like you know abaddon's the, the focus here so just focus in on that and it's good that she's kind of uh popping up and just causing havoc I didn't, I'm not sure about this end bit, though. Oh, I don't know. I quite like this end bit. I mean, she is the living dead girl. She is quite literally a zombie. Um, mm. So, you know, she's like she, they, they brawl after the match, and then Abaddon literally, like, bites a chunk out of Sheeta's neck. It's proper, like, goofy nonsense, right? Like, because it's, it's like wrestling silliness because she took a bite out of her neck. 
but mm. it made more sense than when Shayna Baszler did it. It's a weird, it's yeah, it's a weird sort of full circleness of twenty twenty, isn't it? That <laughs> it started with Baszler biting Becky Lynch, and it's ended with Abaddon biting uh, Hikaru Shida. Like the only thing I, the, so the, I, I don't mind that as like a, a, it's obviously goofy. She's living dead, and she's bitten her. It's it's really goofy. I wanted it sold more by the production. Mm-hmm. If you catch my like, they literally just went. She took the bite, and they went, "Oh my god, she's bitter!" And she just holding her neck, and there's all this blood coming out. And then they go, "Anyway, coming up next, this thing." Yep. And they moved on from it way too quickly. For like, I feel this this is a moment that could have been like one of those quiet moments in wrestling where there's that moment's pause as she does like, like she wasn't, I don't think she sold it particularly well. Like she, she, she sold it like it was a neck injury rather than like, I'm bleeding quite profusely from a missing chunk of my neck. She should have been screaming. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I was like, I was expecting it needed the WWE treatment of like, here's some medics coming out to like wrap it and take her away. And then, you know, then you can, then there's a bunch of like, there's, I mean, there's so much goofy story you can do if someone's had a zombie bite, right? Like, is Hikaru <laughs> Shida going to turn into a zombie? Yeah. Like, I love that, yeah. yeah because like, it, it, it didn't quite know what it was, this angle. Was it just that she made her bleed? Or did she literally bite a chunk out of her neck? Like, I don't think they fully know what was the outcome of that. Because as you say, like, it was just, you know, there were some referees down there, but it wasn't like a big medical team. If someone's taking mm. a chunk out of your neck, you're bleeding a lot. And what it was, you just had some blood on her a bit. So I don't I don't quite know what, like, the angle was supposed to be. But it, it was very silly. It felt to me like they, they wanted to do it, but they weren't sure what it was going to look like, like, production-wise. Yeah. So they were kind of, like, cutting around it quite quickly um, in terms of, like, they didn't show much of... Uh, about in like dro- drooling blood. They didn't show much, like, any close ups of Sheeda's neck with it on. Like for a while, she was holding it, and you could see, like, obviously the makeup had smeared on it, but then it took a while for her, like, sort of to see the hand and a bit more blood on it. Um, and then it, it kind of felt like even they were going, maybe this is too goofy. So maybe we yeah. should just move on as quickly as possible. And it's like, if you're going to go in on it, go all in on it and sell it like it's really like, this is what's happening guys like this is this is serious she's really bitten her and like you know as as sort of yeah she's a zombie ha 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 like you can you can argue amongst the commentary team whether she's a real zombie or whether she's just deranged and she's actually taken a chunk out of someone's neck but if you're taking a chunk out of someone's neck and you say they've bitten a big chunk out of someone's neck you get the jugular, someone's going to bleed out, aren't they? So, like, people know the yeah. stakes then, at least. It, this all felt a bit too, like, okay, well, we'll rush through that. And then, uh, you know, the acclaimed are going to come out next. So, hopefully, she yeah. just wheeled off to the back before then and doesn't get blood everywhere because that would be a pain in the ass, wouldn't it? Because we've got a main event to do. Well, like, Bro Brandy here says, like, uh, to me, it was that she was marking her as the next victim, like, which I really like as an idea. Mm. But the commentary was saying, that she's te- that she's bitten a chunk out of her neck, and like Sheeta wasn't selling it like she had a mark left on her. She she was selling it like she'd been bitten. But I actually prefer Brewer Brandy's version of this, which is just like yeah, she like almost the way that she licked the title when she first took mm-hmm. it off Sheeta was like she's making her mark on this to let you know that I'm coming for this next. I actually think that would have been a way more effective angle. So you wanted a neck licking. That's what you wanted. Oh, me. I mean, yeah. I mean, what what a better time to do it than, you know, during a global pandemic of a yeah, virus exactly. that is easily spread. 
But I think that that I think something like that could have sold almost a more like would have told you a more powerful story about Abaddon. Like it, it would have been this like to have that moment of restraint where it's like I could have ripped your throat out, but I didn't because I know I'm going to do it later. And so I'm just tormenting you. There's actually kind of, there's a more interesting story wrinkle there that you could play off later rather than just sort of um, immediately going with it and then going like, we don't know if people are going to like this. Quick, let's put the young bucks in the ring. Well, the young bucks in the ring, they put indeed. It was the acclaimed versus the young bucks for the AEW Tag Team Championships. Uh, this was a really, really great main event. Really, really solid. It's one of those like main events where you sort of, whenever when people say, ah, AEW is just TNA 2.0, ah, oh, AEW, all they ever do is just rely on WCW nostalgia. It's like, this was the smegging main event. It's <laughs> it's the young bucks versus this brand new team that are also these young guys that are called the acclaimed. This is like their first big time main event. This is like them showing here is also here is the current here is the present of our company. Here is also the future of our company. Expect to see more great action like this for like the next 10 years. And it was great because like the acclaimed earned this title shot mm -hmm. because they'd won their last seven matches. And the you know, they got that title match off the back of that, which really puts over wins and losses matter it puts over the ranking system and things like that I, I i loved everything about this main event and it was a really really great match as well yeah i really like the sort of um the kind of new attitude of the bucks as well i like this there was there was moments where they were they were cocky and confident and more vicious than i think we've seen them for a long time um in AEW, and i think that kind of played really nicely against the kind of the ebbs and flows of the match because you start off with the bucks being like oh great like you you've you've been challengers you've you've written a rap about us how silly of you because here we are to kick your asses and we're going to do some of our moves in more dangerous positions like doing um risky business outside and stuff like that like you know th there there is this feeling that the bucks are kind of there's a reason they're the champions at that point and then the acclaim start to gain control of the match. They start to work over Nick and he's got an injured neck and, you know, they're, they're doing all this brilliant stuff um, to wear him down. And then the Bucks get to do that kind of big comeback moment um, where it was like the, the, the sunset flip to the outside and the super kick and the power bomb through the table after they, uh, the acclaimed low blows and hit with the boom box. So they cheated in trying to win. And that's when the Bucks really kick it into overdrive and cleanly finish things off with a BTE trigger. Like, it was a wonderful match and like it was really that's a really good um title defense for the bucks to get under their belts as well and a great way to build new stars yeah i actually found this out uh through sean ross up that um anthony bowens of um uh, of the acclaimed he was meant to have been signed by nxt because like he was doing stuff with nxt and mm. they wanted to sign him and legit forgot to like apparently it was just a clerical error. They just legit forgot to sign him to a contract. So he went to AEW instead. I mean, that's probably good for him. If you <laughs> get walking in the door and you have a match immediately, almost with, you know, with the young bucks, like NXT, he could have been the next Denzel DeJournay, like, you know, just coming out and doing not a lot. But he could have been Leon Ruff, I guess, at that point as well. And you could have been the North American champion by now. So 
you never know. Uh, yeah. You never know. It, it, yeah, it was. It really made me laugh. But um, anyway, that was uh, this week's AEW Dynamite. No Impact stars uh, debuted after they sort of teased it on on Tuesday's Impact that there could be, but I think they'll probably save that for the New Year's shows. Uh, but yeah, do you know what? Like, I I've, I enjoyed the show, man. I thought it was a, a fun time. Like, w- one of my favorite things about AEW is that even if it's not like a blowaway show, even if it's not a newsworthy show, I'm guaranteed two hours of really consistently good wrestling and good storytelling and you know good story progression and stuff and that's what i got here this was another solid aew show yeah i've probably got a slightly more cynical opinion than that in the sense that only because of the the stakes that they've set up recently i was a tiny bit disappointed coming out of this show just that they didn't build more out of kenny omega and sting like i would like to to really feel like those weren't just moments for the sake of moments that were going to pop some ratings. I, I want to see some long-term build out of it, but I do agree with you in that sense of like, I think AEW has that same factor that NXT has it, it, for me is that, that feeling of like, it's always a good show. However, sometimes you end up feeling a little bit disappointed that it's not transcendent because you know that that's what it's capable of. But uh, let's see what you all have to say in the Ultra Chat uh, for this episode. Final call, ding, ding, ding for your Ultra Chats. WrestleTalk.com forward slash support. The link is in the video description down below. Dynamic Penguin says, Merry Christmas, lads. Excuse me. Hope you have a great one. Uh, For an average Dynamite, this show really over-delivered for me. The Acclaim looked great in their first high-profile match. Can't wait for the next two weeks. Also, Pax Black Arrow is a thing of beauty. Oh, it's so great. Like, the first time I I saw him hit that move, I was like, holy hell, that's the coolest, like, top-rope finishing move I've ever seen in my life. And here we are, like, you know, some nearly 10 years later, and I'm still going like, wow, that's still one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Do you think he hates it? <laughs> Do you think he hates having to do it? Because I feel like sometimes you, you see, like, obviously, uh, you know, Pac is an amazing gymnast. Like, he, he's an incredible, incredible gymnast. But, like, sometimes you watch him, on, and, like, this episode was definitely one where he gets on the top rope and he has a little think about it every time, and it's like, this again. Like, oh, please, just make it all the way around. Like, <laughs> he's almost got that I'm getting too old for this S word kind of vibe to him. <laughs> Particularly because they're outside as well. So, you know, like one big gust of wind and you're, you're oh, just going to yeah. lose your footing and just like... End just... like... <laughs> <laughs> well, during yeah. that Young Bucks match, like because they have like the, the you know, the, the money shoot out the cannons and stuff. At the start of this match, there's like a big gust of wind blew up and blew the money halfway into the ring. <laughs> so it's, oh, it's, lust- it's David Blowy over in, in Jacksonville yeah. times. You know, do you know what? I hated the, the, the money thing. Like, great for an entrance, but... For the rest of the match, I was like, someone tidy up. Someone tidy <laughs> up, for God's sake. <laughs> uh, Matthew Robinson, I did like, uh, Matthew Robinson says, I did like Abaddon doing the vampire-like bite on Cheetah. It was definitely better than Shayna Bay's version in uh, WWE. What do you guys think? Well, it makes sense for Abaddon to do it. It made mm-hmm. literally zero sense. It was one of my least favorite things of the year. Was And it was like the real like big warning sign of like, here is what the main roster version of Shayna Baszler is. It's biting Becky Lynch's neck. Yeah, it de- like that's the thing. It definitely has that. There's at least truth to 
Abaddon doing it. Like you, you, <laughs> you I, I wanted to, I wanted it to be like, if we're going to do it, just do more with it. Like really do lean into it. Like WWE again, just did it as a throwaway. Oh, isn't she nuts? <laughs> She's an um, MMA fighter with Shayna Baszler. It's like, that's an illegal maneuver. She, surely she would at least obey the rules of MMA. Uh, the Adnap 2, when Cage debuted an attack derby in May, would you believe that their first singles match would be in December? Merry Christmas, guys. I think that's, you know, we were talking about this with the, the Miro uh, best friends stuff. Like, they've been feuding for months and have not mm -hmm. had a match. And it's the same year with Carb, uh, Cage and Derby. Like, they've been feuding for so, so long. But I think AEW are very good at doing, like, these slow burn stories to build into eventual matches. I'm really intrigued to see Derby versus Cage actually because I just think they're going to have it's just it's just such a different uh vibe between the two like they they obviously like completely mismatched and I just think that Derby is going to do some crazy stuff in order to try and take down Cage and probably get some help from Sting I imagine at some point which would be good because I want to see Sting do something swing I the bat my friend <laughs> Uh, Jonathan Hedman says, I totally agree with Laurie. Omega should be treated like Hulk Hogan in the 80s. Rare appearances and you have to pay to see him wrestle. Also, there's a reason Silver and Reynolds are the recruiting specialists. Merry Christmas. You guys rock. Jam that jam. Uh, thanks, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I kind of agree with that. Like, I, I, I think that they are sort of treating him like these sort of, you know, rare appearances of him because he hasn't been out on TV a lot. Like, he's only had mm -hmm. one in-ring promo, Kenny Omega, since winning the belt. And... So, like, I think that, yeah, there's, and, you know, he had a match last week. He's got a match again next week. So, yeah, I kind of see what, where uh, Jonathan Edwards is coming from that one. Yeah, I think that really works for the character. Like, that that sense that it's, I mean, it's the most wrestling thing you can do, right, is to give people the thing they've been crying out for since the inception of your company. Like, everyone wanted Kenny Omega to be the world champion. Everyone kind of expected him to be the inaugural one, I think, to some degree. Um, his name is definitely up there with Cody uh I think only Cody really and, and Jericho was obviously in the mix. But if you were going to talk about stars that you wanted to see elevated to that state, it was it was all the elite guys. To do it and then be like, and now you don't get him on TV. That's the most wrestling thing you can do. Um Brett J. Rassman says, absolutely loved Miro in the announcement of Kip's wedding bit. From the swerve, the best friends are going to come out to Trent being hospitalized to just how over-the-top excited Miro was for the wedding. He really is the best man in all he does. I'm, I'm, I mean, actually, I mean, Matthew Robinson's next question here is, what's your biggest wish for 2021 in AEW besides the women getting a better story? For me, it's something more from Miro. I'd love to see something really big from Miro in 2021. Yeah, well, I mean, we're going to get something. I think we're going to get some sort of revelation at the wedding because also, like, what was Rusev's last big story in WWE? Was, was the, the Lana? Lash it was the Lana Lashley wedding. So there's going to it's going to be rich with callbacks and kind of meta commentary to some degree, anyway. Um, but I think this has to be the moment where they they really pull the trigger on on Miro, probably breaking out from under Kip Sabian as well. Um, yeah. Because like he doesn't like Kip's obviously a great promo, but he doesn't need. I think actually being in in the mix with Kip puts him in a in a bracket that he's bigger than. Because I don't think Kip is necessarily that high up the card. Um, so yeah, I, I I think the the wedding could be that that moment of Miro really breaking out of into the character that he's supposed to be in AEW, and we finally see really what his motivations are beyond obviously wanting to see his friend get married. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, actually, I'd quite like to see 
everyone expecting the best friends to interrupt the wedding. And it's actually Miro is the one that ruins the wedding instead and turns on Kip. I think that actually be quite a, a cool little thing, actually. Um, Bacon Rasher, um, who would you like to see in the face paint posse with Sting? Maybe Dustin, Darby and Thunder Rosa. Hashtag JTJ. Oh. Hashtag uh, Quizzlemania War Games. I don't know how we would do a War Games match in Quizzlemania. but People keep suggesting it. Uh, maybe we'll try at some point. Um, People like it was a suggestion from the Raw stream that we would do mm. uh, Team Wrestle Talk versus Team Wrestling Daily in War Games. I uh, guess the idea would be that you add people in over time, so like mm. one team wins the advantage ahead of time, and then you add people in, so then they can pool their resources to answer the question. I guess so. Yeah, I guess yeah. Well, well, maybe we'll work something out. We have got plans someone, someone just said four four v four, Luke in the in the chat. Well, <laughs> obviously, Chris. Like that's the bit that I get. Like that's the easy bit. Um, Mr. Burt Wayne, uh, do not miss Thunder Road, uh, Thunder Road, the Thunder Road's a journey feature length documentary produced by Gorilla Press 2021. Josh says, Hey guys, meant to send a Christmas message, but I missed my window. No, you didn't, Josh. Uh, thanks for all your support this year. Love you and have a Merry Christmas. Thank you very much, Josh. Love Merry love Christmas. From you. Merry Christmas to you. Uh, Jobber JJ to the entire WrestleTalk workers on and off screen to all the mods, the SWAP Nation. Merry Christmas to all of you. You've made 2020 bearable and have made me laugh so much. Thank you for all the hard work and uh, you and the mods do and there are a lot of heart emojis there thank you very much job jj it's been wonderful having you in the chat for every stream we've done throughout 2020 so it's really really appreciated um bacon rasher says uh merry christmas thanks everyone at Rasta talk for keeping spirits up all this year thank you swap nation especially my tag partner jobber cm chris carol mayor dan uh plus our amazing mods thanks for wrestling daily uh hopefully Quizzlemania war games in 2021 <laughs> it's fan it's gotta happen now uh, Christopher Jazzcat. Oh, no crap. No crap take from uh, Jazzcat this week, which is, you know, it's lovely to see. No crap take this week. Just a uh, merry festiveness. Thanks for all the entertaining content. Zack Sabre Jr. is the best. What about Raven? What's been your favorite match of the year? Probably Suzuki versus Ibushi for me. I wish you both uh, luck in your feats of strength. Uh, for me, it's the Bucks versus Omega and Page. That was my match of the year. Loved it. Oh, um, I'm really bad at favourites. Um, Kyle O'Reilly versus Finn Balor. Well, tomorrow, in fact, but myself, you know, tomorrow, myself, Ollie and Pete go through the top 10 wrestlers, uh, WrestleTalk's top 10 wrestlers of 2020, not only voted by the on-screen talent, voted for by our website writers, by our moderation team, voted for by our social media team, voted for by the friends of the WrestleTalk universe, including the friendos over at Going In Raw, Alex Queen of the Ring, Denise Salcedo, Muscle Man Malcolm, uh, True Heel Heat, Alex McCarthy all got involved. We're going to go through those tomorrow on Christmas Day and on Boxing Day, we're going to go through the top five matches and top five pay-per-views of 2020 as well with Adam Blompier. Really, really fun going through all of those lists. So you can find out more about our favorite matches then. Chris Petrao says, happy holidays, happy new year, my friends. Thanks, man. Um, Matthew Robinson, it's really nice to see Laurie on the show. Miss your NXT reviews. Hopefully they split the days up so we can do NXT reviews again. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? It'd be, it'd be helpful of them. 
if they did. <laughs> Mike Jensen, hello, gents. No question. We'd just like to say thank you. As an essential worker in New Jersey who's worked six to seven overnights per week since the pandemic started in March, you have no idea how essential all of your content has been to me. From the daily uh, dailies on Wrestle2 to Quizlemania, live shows like this, Phenomenons, etc., you will never know how much all of your content helps you get through each night. Looking forward to whatever 2021 content uh, you guys come up with. Yes, please. Thank you so much, Mike. That's such Thanks. a lovely message. Really, really appreciate that. Um, Kevin says, happy to see the OG NXT duo back together again. Oh, that's true. Yeah, we are, aren't we? Jump shit, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks for everything you did in 2020, guys. We needed this. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to y'all, Swaff Nation. Let's, uh, have, let's all get uh, a week-deserved rest after this bonkers of a year. Well, you may get it, Kevin, but we've got to work, mate, because mm. Ollie and Adam are off. So me, Laurie, and Pete are carrying this ship for the next couple Wrestling of weeks. Wrestling apparently doesn't stop. No, it doesn't, does it? Stupid, I think. Stupid. Who's, what, yeah, you, who's wrestling at Christmas? This, you and Pete. <laughs> yeah, you and Pete. Pete have got to watch Raw next week. And then uh, me and Pete are doing AEW on New Year's Eve. Uh, mm -hmm. Merry Christmas, Rest Talk from Gazzatola of Rock and Roller. Merry Christmas, Wrestle Talk. Thank you for being consistently consistent, shining light through these dark times. 2021 will be Fakador. Yeah. Yeah, it will. Uh, Brett J. Rasmus also muttering something about you know uh, a corporate screw job something like that I oh, imagine he'll be back in 2021 oh man not another screw job uh, Brett yeah. J. Rasmus also happy Christmas to you Luke, Laurie and everyone at Rest Talk everything will be fakeador and lastly from Matthew Robertson Laurie what do you want to see happen the most in AEW in 2021 more sting doing things I think uh, I don't know I think I think Sting is my focus at the moment because I love Sting. So I just yeah. want to see him swing the baseball bat. And once that happens, I'll die happy. That'll be fine. Now, you're a bit of a lucky bugger, aren't you? Because you're still in Tier 3. Is Manchester still in Tier 3? Manchester's still in Tier 3, as far as we know. I, I, think, I think considering everything that's happened um with manchester this year it's unlikely we'll go into tier four uh as that will be seen as an undue punishment even though we <laughs> maybe should probably be in tier four we don't really know i'm fine like you know i'm not really going anywhere anyway but it's that feeling of like <laughs> yeah you know it's nice to be in tier three and have have london be in tier four i feel like we got out of the right time <laughs> i know you did yeah yeah um so like with tier three so that means your Christmas plans have remained unchanged, basically. You still get to go and see people on Christmas Day, right? Well, so, yeah, but this is the thing. So the plans would have changed. Mine mine personally haven't. I'm going to my partner's uh, house for Christmas Day with the parents. Um, however, like, had we had plans to go for five days or the five days that we were allowed, those would have had to change. But, you know, we're mm. fortunate that they're only, they're only 20 minutes down the road. So we can obviously just drive over there and go. Um, but yeah, that that's you know that's it. Obviously, like I think a lot of people elsewhere have had the, the much bigger issue of um, not being able to go anywhere for Christmas, which is obviously wonderfully handled by our government. Love them, yeah. love them to pieces. The oh, little 
bastards. <laughs> such, such a grand old job they've done. A, a grand day out has been cancelled. Oh, no, no, no. Cancel Christmas? What are you? Some sort of Grinch? We're cancelling Christmas. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we're, unfortunately, we have not got to cancel Christmas. Yeah, no, we are, we are a part of that. Um, it's just me and the wife tomorrow, which we're kind of like, in a way, kind of looking forward to because we suddenly realise this will probably be like the only time ever we'll get to do this sort of thing. It's just, I think, yeah, yeah. yeah. You've got to think about it like that. I think it's that thing of like, you know, I'm I'm hoping that everyone listening obviously is, is has managed to put together something to do on Christmas Day, and they're not going to feel too lonely and too cut off and too terrible. Um, and you're all looking after yourselves. But yeah, I think for some people, like I think especially sort of young couples, there is this kind of interesting dynamic of like this might be a once in a life i mean it's for everyone this is a once in a lifetime christmas we hope as long as next year doesn't also prove to be a catastrophe but yeah i think it kind of frees you from that that idea of like you have to go to separate families like i know a lot of people who are you know i know a lot of people who are married and still go to different parents for christmas and it's only when you have a baby Mm. that suddenly like chris the focus of christmas becomes your house so yeah. like people might come to you for Christmas or people might come and see you just after Christmas and you don't travel around as much and then you get to have your kind of contained Christmas. So I think it might be quite, I don't know how you're feeling about it, Luke, obviously, but like, I, I wonder if you're excited and intrigued to have just a a two-man team Christmas. Dude, I'm, we're pretty stoked about it because like, you know, it, it sucks that we were supposed to be going to my in-laws for for Christmas, which would have been lovely, you know, hanging out with my my in-laws and hanging out with my sister-in-law and her uh, boyfriend. That would have been amazing. That like, could have been really, really mm-hmm. lovely. But like, we're, we're very fortunate that I really like my wife and my wife quite likes me. So we're just going to have a really nice time together. We've got lovely meals planned out. We've got uh, breakfast and, and uh, you know, party food. We spe- I spent 200 quid in Morrison's. And then <laughs> yesterday on my day off, I went to Morrison's and spent a further 80 quid, you know, buying uh, more alcohol and more party food. So oh, you don't, you're not going to do a turkey, are you? Because you're vegetarians. What are you, what are you having instead? We've got a nuts roast. Uh, nuts roast. Our, yeah, we were going to get, so Morrison's do like a no beef uh, Wellington that we were mm. going to get. But obviously my wife's gluten intolerant, so we couldn't get that. So oh, instead bloody, we did. Bloody wellies with their gluten. Oh, so much pastry. So instead, what we're doing is we just got a nut roast uh, to have instead uh, for the two of us with all the trimmings that we're going to do roasties. I'm I'm not a sprouts man, but I'm now 35. And I figured that this year might be the year I like sprouts. So I'm trying sprouts this year. Oh, my God. I mean, the, the thing, uh, what I'm going to tell you, Luke, about sprouts is they don't <laughs> they don't actually get good. Like every, I've watched a lot of cooking shows in the hopes of finding something that might make sprouts good. And anytime anyone does sprouts, they're like, look, this is the way to make sprouts good. All they've done is chop them up really small, really quickly (laughs) fry them with bacon. It's like, yeah, yeah, bacon is good. Like if you mask sprouts heavily enough, then you don't know they're sprouts and that does make them good. But sprouts on their own are bollocks. (laughs) They always will be bollocks. We've got pine nuts to to go with them. Like I, I'll be honest, like, like Kate is is adamant. Like that, that she's she's feeling the pressure this year that, that because she loves sprouts, like she really likes them, and I've I've never liked them. But like this is the year, I think she's quite adamant that I'm going to enjoy them, and the, mm-hmm. so she's she's feeling the pressure. Well, you're going to have to anyway because otherwise, I mean, I'll only, back it's, them. it's only a two person Christmas, Luke. So you, you don't you don't want to piss off the other person. 
Exactly. And we've got so many sprouts, so many sprouts, a load of parsnips. And I, I, I'm the only one in this house that likes parsnips. So I'm going to be eating a lot of bloody parsnips for the next couple of weeks. That's outrageous. Parsnips are so good. Like, right? Honey, are, you honey roast, are you honey roasting them? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Not, not a monster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's your uh, Christmas Day meal? Do you know what you got planned? Uh, I think we're having turkey, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just going to turn up and eat it, I guess. It's the the kind of brilliance of this. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm quite excited. I like a roast dinner. I think this year, one of the things that this year has obviously done is is actually reduce my roast dinner intake to almost zero because um, I don't want to make them. I just like to have them in. I just like to have them in pubs on Sundays. So you know, yeah, we've not yeah. really done that very much this year. Although I did go for like a three week period where I did just have a roast dinner every week, because I sort of realised that I went to a pub and we were like, oh, Sunday, I've had two pints. I'm going to have a roast dinner now. Had it, and I was like, oh, I really like this. Then we had another one at another pub the next week, and then I made two back to back. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, we're quite looking forward to it. I think we're going to have a nice time. I think the only, like, we're trying now to arrange because, because everyone's separated out, you know, uh, like my in-laws are in tier four, my my sister-in-law's in tier four, Mm. you're in tier four, um, my brother's in tier four. My mum and dad are the only people we know that are in tier one. Like, whoa. I know, right? Like, they can just go to the pub freely. Outrageous. They got to book a table, but they can still go. Yeah, and, that's uh, like they're on the. That's like they're in first class of the first class <laughs> of Britain's train. <laughs> but because like we're all sort of like you know everyone's having Christmas on their own, it also means that loads of Zoom calls are being arranged. So mm. we've now got to try and arrange as like the various Zoom calls that people want to do, while also making sure we do have a Christmas that is just the two of us where we can cook the food that we want to cook and not just spend the entire time on Zoom with people going like, Auntie Margaret, your camera's not on. Mm, you need to just mush it all life. together, you know? Like that's yeah. the, I think we're doing, we're doing one tomorrow and then we're going to, we're going to talk to my family at some point tomorrow and then that will be, that will be the line drawn under that and then yeah. I'll, you know, and I'll ring my mum at some other point and that'll be it. <laughs> Well, uh, everyone listen to this show. I hope you all have a, a Merry Christmas if it is the holiday that you celebrate. Uh, thank you all so much for listening this year. Um, I do have one more podcast coming out this year because uh, I'm going to be doing the um, AEW review with Pete next week. But yeah, until then, have a jolly Christmas. There'll be loads of content coming out. Tomorrow is the Christmas special. Oh, it's bad. It's you listen to it back? I, I did listen to a little bit of it because I had to find all, you know, because I dropped a lot of C-bombs yes um, obviously i have to edit those out so mm. and the worst thing is i'm pretty sure i dropped three and i could only find two <laughs> i just hope youtube don't find it i guess exactly yeah so, so tell me if there is another one um but that drops tomorrow it's quite awful um excuse me and then on uh christmas day as well we've also got the 10 best wrestlers uh, that'll be myself ollie and pete and on Boxing Day, it'll be the 10 best uh, matches and pay-per-views with me, Ollie, and Adam. So yeah, fun times, fun podcasts for all. And there's loads of video content as well. So we'll keep yourself busy. But until then, take care, everyone. I love you. Goodbye. Merry Christmas. Stay safe. Keep Merry Christmas. Stay safe. Rattle, 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.